Chapter 19 of The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scarlett, Louisiana. The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square by Mrs. Henry de la Pasteur. Chapter 19 The Last Letter whilst venturing to express to you my deep sympathy for the terrible blow you have sustained wrote mr valentine i wish to inform you that i have directed that a letter addressed to you and entrusted to my care by your poor brother should be immediately delivered to you by special messenger from our firm as regards his will which is also in our charge it will be handed to you as executrix whenever you choose to apply for it but i hope to be in london twenty-four hours after you receive this letter when i will if you please call upon you immediately as i have news of great importance to communicate to you for which i have reason to hope that your poor brother's letter will in some measure prepare you jeanne white to the lips broke the seal of the enclosure which accompanied mr valentine's letter forwarded from bedford row by special messenger in accordance with the directions mentioned the envelope within was addressed to her by that hand which would write no more she opened the letter it was dated from cape town august nineteen hundred nearly three years ago you will never read this letter my darling jeanne unless something happens to me before i see you to explain why i have acted as i have done and kept it secret from my beloved little sister i have married anne marie charlotte de corset the only daughter of the late henri de corset and the only living descendant of charles the chevalier de corset who remained in the french navy when our great-grandfather emigrated to england and if you would know what she is like in face look at the miniature of our dear chanoines but if in character why she is tread de beauté and you may look that up in the dictionary my wee little jeanne and also in her own sweet way a bit of a mystic and so beyond the power of such an ordinary mortal as i to fathom i can but worship and wonder her father was killed, or died of his wounds, fighting at Beauchamp last April by the side of poor de Villebois Moril, and as soon as she heard of his death she came out to South Africa to find his grave, defying all the difficulties and overcoming every obstacle placed in her way. But when you know her, you will understand. While others think, or talk, she acts. She heard of a de Corset in hospital at Kimberley, and inspired by God, knows what wild hope of finding that there had been some mistake that her father might yet be alive she flew there on the wings of love and hope oh what an angel come to seek a poor mortal she seemed to me and how do you suppose that having found her i could ever let her go i was nearly convalescent and i got leave and slipped away here and married her quietly in the chapel of the convent where she was staying and before the french council now if i had written this piece of news straight away to you as i was sorely tempted to do i know as well as you do that between uncle robert's horror at my marrying a foreigner and a roman catholic and your anger perhaps who knows with your poor unstable brother who has broken his solemn promise to you and he knows it and deplores his weakness on his knees and begs you to forgive him though i am afraid he doesn't repent as he should between all these conflicting emotions and the certainty of your preconceived dislike for my wife and your conviction of her complete unworthiness which you know and can't deny you are feeling at this moment i wonder how much chance of a welcome my beautiful saint and queen 
would have had from you all. Not to mention that the life at Coeretel and the ways of our beloved uncle would completely bewilder and upset her, without me to act as a buffer, so to speak. For though she is perfectly simple, yet she is also très grande dame in her way, my beautiful Anne-Marie. If, on another hand, you and Uncle Roberts hear that I have a wife and she doesn't come to see you, why, what another hullabaloo once more. So all things considered in my poor crazy brain, half crazy with joy and pride to have won the one woman on earth whom God created for me alone, I have determined that silence is golden. But in case bad luck steps in, as it has an ugly knack of doing in South Africa just now, and prevents me from carrying out my happy plan of fetching my darling back from her own country, to which, alas, she has already flown, and hiding her in London until I have talked over both you and dear old Uncle Roberts, and you know I could do it, my silly little Jeanne. Why then, why then I have no resource but to write my confession now and send it to safekeeping, that you may hear it at least from me, dead or alive, and from nobody else. So if you ever read this, my Jeanne dear, I shan't be here to know whether you forgive me or not, which makes me all the more certain that you will do it, and that you will remember that my wife is part of me, and the best part, and that I love and reverence her above everything and everybody in this world, and you will take her to your heart, and never be jealous nor sick nor sorry concerning my love for her, because love is love, and we cannot help its mastery even if we would. With this, I draw up a short will. Ah, me! Ah, me, that I should have so little to leave. But I hope there will be a few hundreds over out of my thousand pounds insurance after paying my debts and buying Uncle Roberts his horse. And I appoint you sole executrix, for I know not of French formalities and have no wish to make legal difficulties to add expense. And I divide all my property equally between the two who are nearest and dearest to my heart, my darling sister and my beloved wife. But my debts I leave to my little... Jeanne d'Arc alone, for I know it would go to her heart that any other should pay them. And for the honor of the family, as you used to say when you gave me your new desk, etc., to take to school, and kept my shabby old things in its stead, the wretched provision I leave my wife must be as large as we can make it, though, thank God, she is not dependent on that, but has a competence of her own and lives in great state and luxury with her old servants on about 20,000 francs a year. Her home is not far from the Chateau de Corset, which now belongs to a good little bourgeois. Oh, if I could hear her benevolent tones of the Boulonnais. I write her address on the back of this letter. Now, of course such a pauper as I had no business to marry at all. But blame me, who will? What care I so that you are on my side? For with such love to inspire me, I should be a fool and an idiot not to get on. And I shall but strive the harder, for her sake, to do my absolute best with the chances God gives me, feeling as fit and as jolly as I do now, for I am practically all right again, and hope to get back to duty at once. It is difficult to write very seriously, my jeune dear, and after all, why should I try? If I am killed, I am killed, and there's an end of it. All the best and bravest fellows I know have led the way. Ended the journey in content, just as an olive falls off when it is ripe, blessing nature who produced it and thanking the tree on which it grew. 
which reminds me that i gave my copy of monsieur antonius translated to a boor who was wounded and a prisoner a fine fellow and able to read english and he said to me a few days later captain this man has written down all my thoughts about the best and simplest criticism old marcus aurelius would have wished i should think to evoke but i try once more to put myself in your place in case you read this and to fear terribly to cause you sadness my little sister somehow i can't bring myself to fear anything for her she is too far above me in the calm certainty of faith which is hers and at which i look in a, on amazed but reverent i hope as who would not be that had watched an angel pray anne marie has a lion heart but you my little jeanne i would fain bid you pluck up courage and remember that the longest life can last but a few years a few more or a few less what does it signify i believe it is d'israeli who says grief is the agony of a moment indulgence in it is the mistake of a lifetime take all the joy that comes to you in life and be thankful for it and if you want to know what are my feelings why i would like you never to go into mourning for me and to laugh whenever you mention my name but above all to know that though i am anne marie's devoted lover and servant and husband to command i am yet also forever and ever your brother that loves you louis de Corsay. oh were they only written words or was it her brother's merry tender mocking voice that rang in her ears as she read everything was changed her grief was no longer that pure and undivided anguish of sorrow all her own love pity and jealousy grief and disappointment all had their share in the tumult of fierce emotion which was beyond anything jeanne's gentle breast had ever known louis was not only her brother her hero and idol her twin spirit he was also the husband of anne marie while she had thought of him as dying with only her image in his thoughts only her pictured face in his haversack only her love the love which she believed to be all in all to him in his faithful heart his last vision had been that of his saint and queen of her whom he loved and reverenced above everything and everybody in this world and her name perhaps the last upon his dying lips how much had she known of louis at all of the louis who had kept this secret from her whilst she had poured forth her very soul in her faithful letters to him of the boy who had become a man during the long years of his absence he had failed in loyalty failed failed thought jeanne gazing into the silent empty room in that dry-eyed desolate misery that hurts the very soul unlike the tender sorrow which can be poured forth in tears softening and healing as it flows in proportion to her unthinking and absolute trust in him in proportion to the idolatry with which she had regarded him and the simplicity which had enabled her to retain her childish belief in his infallibility she suffered now because he had broken his word to her because he had withheld his confidence because he was not the louis half soldier half archangel of her dreams but a mere man after all the love of a sister for a brother stands apart from every other love in the world if but for this cause that it is the only affection which can truly survive and withstand the administration of home truths the most tender of parents are well aware that such must be sparingly administered indeed if they are to retain the love and the confidence of their offspring whilst if not nature 
at least civilization forbids a child to communicate his opinion of their merits or demerits to the authors of his being the most romantically attached husbands and wives know that if the mirror of truth he held up too often to the weaknesses of human nature the illusion on which all romance is primarily based must vanish the lover dare not blame his mistress overmuch lest love should be drowned in resentment nor must the friend treat his friend's feelings roughly lest he lose his friendship but the brother may say what he will to his sister may deride her absurdities label her faults repel her caresses scatter her prejudices and if she loves him she but clings the closer the relationship at its best is the perfection of human comradeship with all life's earliest memories to sanctify it and every hope and ambition for the future to lend it an interest which can only increase with years jeanne loved and blamed and pitied louis all in one but like lightning her resentment flashed upon the image of anne marie it seemed to her that she had always known of this woman's existence she felt as though a long-dreaded enemy had arisen at last and snatched her brother from her so that he was no longer her own even in death ah but what were his words his words that he had written with such careless certainty that blame him who would his sister be on his side so if you ever read this i shan't be here to know whether you forgive me or not which makes me all the more certain that you will do it oh with all my heart and soul i forgive you louis cried jeanne weeping and that you will remember that my wife is part of me and the best part and you will take her to your heart and never never be jealous nor sick nor sorry concerning my love for her for love is love and we cannot help its mastery even if we would then came to jeanne suddenly a memory of halcyon days scarcely past of a radiance she could not deny to those bright april hours of her bitter self-reproach for the happiness she had dared indulge whilst louis was in danger nay whilst death had already claimed him for its own death which he feared so little for it was not possible for any one knowing louis to think of him as fearing death apart from his own words penned in the fullness of life and young love he had always thrown himself eagerly into his varied pursuits working strenuously at whatever lay before him and never pausing to count results was this philosophy thought little jeanne or was it carelessness did it mean that he thought too little or too much to fear death she could not tell human nature is apt to undervalue the greatness of even those fellow-creatures whom it holds dearest jeanne realized humbly that of the inner depths of louis she had known little since his earliest childhood there were subjects of which boy-like he had seldom spoken for which perhaps the little sister had thought him wanting in reverence but it appeared that at last this quality had been aroused in her light-hearted brother he had watched an angel pray and the angel had been anne marie remember that my wife is part of me and the best part she put her lips to the letter and locked it away with his miniature looking at the face of louis and reading now as it were the meaning of that new purpose and determination written on his handsome brow then slowly slowly she moved to the escritoire and sat down before it and took up a pen to write to anne marie with a very action a little comfort came a little lightening of the darkness of her grief there was something to be done for louis after all it was in every sense a difficult letter to write for in spite of her studies poor jeanne's french was it yet very far from perfect but with her grammar and her dictionary beside her 
she toiled over it through the hours of the long bright afternoon patiently making one copy after another it was Anne marie's home to which she was inviting her to come since louis had said that they were to share and share alike in all the property he left behind though little dreaming when he wrote how great and rich a property it was to be c'est vous vendru wrote jeanne in her best round hand and most surprising french je vous pondrai à mon cour comme la brette et je ferai mamie dire à sur avant ma séjour qui va pierre sedels pour y laisser ses diamants as she finished at last and paused pen in hand to consider doubtfully how to address the envelope to her brother's wife the door behind her opened the windows of the morning room were thrown up to their fullest extent letting in the freshness of the may air and the noise of the season's traffic and thus she had not heard the bustle and commotion of voices in the hall outside but she heard very distinctly indeed the announcement which hewitt made almost at the top of his voice in a tone of mingled wonder incredulous and triumph the marquis de corset End of chapter 19